Hey everybody and welcome to True Crime Paranormal with the Psychic Sisters. This is Katie Weaver and I'm here with my co-anchor and partner in crime, Christy Brower. Hello. Hello. Hey everybody. How's it going? Oh, it's good. You know, it's Wednesday. Home yeah. day. Right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's good. You know, just busy, busy. Doing and doing, my friends. Doing and doing. Yeah. Well. We don't hate that. No. We're about to hit 80,000 downloads on this uh, here podcast. I know. It's amazing. Sorry, I'm a little confused because <laughs> our YouTube is not showing up. Hmm. Are we sure we're streaming on the right YouTube? That's my question. Yeah, I'm sure we are. It says we are. And actually, we have RJ in the chat from YouTube. Oh, well, okay then. Well, that's well, really weird. It's not showing up in our back office. But. Oh, well, would you look at that? We've got RJ and Cooper's friend and innocuous all showing up. So, well, okay then. I at least somebody's seeing us. But yeah. what uh, Katie really did not respond to at all is that we are almost to 80,000 downloads of this podcast, you guys. Yes. How cool is that? Not to mention that we're at 150,000 views on youtube so yes. we'll take it that's pretty fantastic rolling yeah it's super exciting i am excited i promise i was okay just i know you were just very <laughs> for a moment. I was just puzzled about what i was not seeing here i'm still not seeing it that is so weird okay well i'm just gonna quit worrying about it all righty <laughs> it's all youtube's fault it's fine uh, it generally is yeah well, very good. Well, what you been doing all day? What'd you make for dinner? What's uh, up? I've been working, man. I am taking a course to launch my course on podcasting. And yeah. man, it is like a full-time job right now. And it's really great. I'm doing a coaching course to help me, you know, really kick it off in an awesome yeah. way. And I'm just, it's really fun and I'm learning so much. But by the end of the day, I am freaking tired. My brain is tired. I'll bet. Yeah. It's a lot of work. It yeah. is. Uh, and I made off, hamburgers though. and green salad for dinner. Nice. So, yeah. Well, we were in charge of team dinner for softball today. Oh boy. And realizing I don't like my angle. Um, yeah. And... I just knew I was not going to have the energy for cooking mm. for a crew. I also knew I didn't want all those girls to come over here because Fiona is in heat and her behavior around right. people that aren't us when she's in heat is really terrible. So <laughs> Fiona, in case you're wondering, is my our female mini pig. And when she's in heat. <laughs> it's not my kid. Is, it's not. I promise. No, it, it's a P.I.G. And when. She's in heat. She will not leave any girl that comes over here alone. And it's mm -hmm. just naughty. So anyway, we took the girls out to dinner, which was kind of fun. We took them to a place called Pizza Pie Cafe. That is an awesome place. It's a pizza, pasta, oh, salad yeah. bar, buffet place. Yeah. So that was fun. I just got home a few minutes ago from hanging out with the girls and feeding dinner. So yeah, it's good stuff. But I had something fun to share with you guys because oh. this week marks the uh, three-year mark of Miss Fiona coming to live with us. Yeah. And when we got her, she was just a few weeks old, and she weighed about three pounds. So we're sharing a couple of pictures for you. 
She was little and cute enough to wear dresses then. She was. <laughs> you also make, could pin her down to get one on her at this age. Bleed to put it on her, but yeah. Mm-hmm. Maybe not make you bleed, but she would scream and ball like the neighbors probably thought we were killing her. But anyway, so we shared a couple of I have of many times her. heard her scream and ball and thought someone is killing that pig. <laughs> oh, my goodness. No, you were just trying to put a harness on her or something. <laughs> the first year we had her, we went camping and we had the, the hex pen for her. And for our little dogs to go in. But pigs don't like to be picked up. And every time you pick her up, you can't pick her up now. You you just, you can't. But when she was littler, if you would pick her up, she would scream and bawl to raise the freaking roof. And for some reason, that would upset Christy's dogs. And every time we camped that weekend, anytime you picked up Fiona and she screamed and cried, one of Christy's dogs would attack the other one. Every time. My little dachshunds, one of them would mm-hmm. start a fight with the other one. I have no yeah. clue yeah. why or how. Um, <laughs> so it was very strange, but yeah. So the squealing of a pig is a very unsettling sound. Oh. I'll just say that. It's actually awful, isn't it? <laughs> mm-hmm. It really is. Yep. The actual worst. Yep. Oh, JR says this is our 200th video. Wow. Is it? Wow. How cool is that? Well, thank you, JR. We we don't even know. We don't know what we're doing. (laughs) That's so exciting. I love it. All right. Well, let's see. Uh, Cranky said they had homemade burritos. RJ got A&W. Oh, oh, she said, not sure if we have that restaurant in the States. Oh, yes, we do. Oh, we do. We do. We don't have very many of them left, though. There used to be lots of them, and now there aren't Mm -hmm. that many. Yeah. Bianca's eating Culver's. Nice. Very good. Well, we want to say hi to everybody in the chat. You guys, I love having you guys here. And it's a beautiful day where we're at, where Mm -hmm. we woke up to a pretty good amount of snow yesterday. So we're thrilled that it melted and it's warm and nice. A couple of inches. Yes. You should have seen my son's face when he got up, came walking up the stairs. And I'm like, uh, you're going to have to go shovel. And he's like, what? We had just been out like riding four wheelers and having mm-hmm. fun outside for Easter. Yeah. Because yeah. that's spring in Idaho. I mean, this could continue to happen for the next two months. Yeah. It sucked. <laughs> we should have had a softball game at home that day. They had to cancel. God. Dumb. Yeah. Well, I well, we want to welcome Mary Jean. She's new. She said, hi, awesome ladies from Waterloo. Just found your podcast this week and can't get enough. Congrats on your views and subscribers. You deserve it. Thanks, Mary Jean. And thanks so much Welcome. for being here. I wonder if you found us from the uh, Wendy Kahn case because she was from Wisconsin. I don't you know. never know. Never know what brings people to us, you know? Yeah, I know. Well, we love it no matter what. So thanks for we being do. here. Well, you guys, today was court for the Vallow case. Well, of course it was, right? Yeah, and I'm Is there just, ever not court for the Valor case? Listen, you guys, and you're not going to believe this. Nothing happened that was funny. It was the most plain Jane. Wildly disappointing. Nothing going episode. Can I call it an episode of this case? <laughs> episode. <laughs> it's not a TV show, you know. It, this was the, uh, yeah, the calmest, uh, tamest jaunt to court. There's one very eerie, weird fact. But so yeah. here's, it started as the last few have with a breakout session. 
because there are some things going on behind the scenes that they are not telling us about. We have a theory and and we're going to delicately tell you our theory. Mm -hmm. We believe that this has to do with the autopsies of the children. Yes. Now there's been a lot of speculation that this is about Tammy's autopsy. We don't believe that's true because Tammy has nothing to do with the current case. We believe this has to do with the autopsies of the children and the condition of the children's bodies. Yes. And there'll be that more, that's more to come. More to on come that. on that. Yep. That's as much as that we're gonna say about it, but that's mm-hmm. uh that's what we believe is actually happening in the uh this behind the scenes stuff with the restraining order. Uh we believe that's what they're talking about. Yep. yep. Yeah, we sure do. So we'll see, you know, if that plays yeah. out over time, but we're pretty sure it will. Mm-hmm. Yeah, at some point it, it will have to, but mm-hmm. it will be later, not sooner, because here's what happened in court today. In court today, after their breakout session, they, because uh, this was just a conference hearing, right? This was just an update, you know, see where everybody's at kind of a thing. And because pre-trial should be coming up in June. Well, right. Mr. Pryor said, I still have 30 pieces of evidence that I need to have a conversation with the prosecutor about, I don't think I can be ready. He's asking for 90 days from the date that the trial was supposed to happen, which was in July, I believe in July. Mm -hmm. So it's looking more like it won't be happening until probably October. Yeah. Yeah. That's what the conversation is. I mean, at some point, I think the judge is going to have to say to these guys, you just have to be ready. Just get ready. Right. Yeah. And Mr. Means, he was just kind of like, yeah, that sounds good to me. He didn't really have much to say at all. And the prosecutor's like, well, we're ready. I mean, we can we can carry on in July or we can wait three months. We don't care. I mean, you know, they're incarcerated. What do they care? (laughs) And they're getting ready to bring more charges. So, again, what do they care? No. Now, Cranky says, how is a restraining order related to the kids' remains? Super good question. So Mm -hmm. this is a restraining order. This is an ex parte. It's not really a restraining order. It's a protection order. Yeah. It's protecting the release of certain information. So basically, it's not allowing the general public to know what this information is. Mm -hmm. And so that's why they go into these breakouts for court where even though the courts are live, the, you know, the hearings are live streamed, there are portions of them that are not because, well, for one, I feel like they're worried about prejudicing the jury pool even further. And we we're pretty sure there's some really um, disturbing information that will come out at this point and they even more disturbing. Imagine that. Yeah. Even more disturbing than what we already know. Mm-hmm. And so at this point they're, they're protecting that they're holding it back from the public. It can't be talked about in the public, um, you know, live streamed hearings basically is what it is. Yeah. And they're, so it's sort of a restraining order to not release pool. it. Yeah. Say that again. They're protecting the prospective jury pool. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, because what uh, we believe is going to be released is some incredibly prejudicial stuff. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. It'll come out at some point. It has to. And ha- yeah. I mean, it's evidence. It's evidence in the case. But, yeah, 
not yet. Yep. That's that's what we think. Yeah. Yeah. So at court, at any rate, so they did decide to push court back. So there won't be, you know, that these trials are not going to happen in July. They did not set a date for them. So it's looking like it'll be October or even a little bit later. But the crazy thing. So uh, Pryor said something very interesting. I mean, they still have on the docket the uh, conversation about moving the trial. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm and Yep, that's one thing that has, uh, you know, that, that still hasn't really been argued on or ruled on yet by the judge. So that was one of the things that came up. And then one of the other things that came up were a couple of things that the prosecutor wanted. He wants, uh, he's trying to get a couple of their uh, professional. The surveys. Yes, the, the people Bill. that he thinks the people that did some of the surveys uh, did them wrong and aren't actually experts in those fields and is trying to have them removed as expert witnesses. Mm-hmm. That's been going on for, I don't know why they don't just rule on that, but. Yeah. But Pryor said something interesting too. He said that he will be filing for a severance, mm-hmm. which we've been expecting that. And what does that mm-hmm. mean? believe that means he's filing to separate these cases back out yeah because they've been joined prior and you know representing chad daybell did not want to join them mm-hmm. Lori vallow and her attorney did and we're okay with that and so was the prosecutor but you know i mean that that really just means one thing and that means that chad is going to turn evidence on Lori. i mean yeah. there's well, really we know no she's reason. not going to turn on chad no She's telling people that he's going to save her, that she doesn't need to worry about God saving her anymore. It's Chad that will deliver her. She's not going to turn on Chad. It's not happening. She's not. No. Yeah. So that's, that's very interesting. That was a real casual conversation today that I'm sure lots of people's ears pricked up and said, wait a minute. We've been expecting that, but it hasn't happened yet. So here's the eerie thing. They're going back to court on in June for another hearing like they did today, which is basically just a check-in follow-up. Let's get all of the briefs dealt with kind of a thing. And he, he told the judge asked the attorneys today, please get any other briefs that we need to know about anything else we need to dealt, get dealt with. Let's get it all done in one day so that we can be ready for pre-trial ready for court. And that date is June 9th. Oh, Yikes. June one 9th year anniversary. Is the one year anniversary of finding the kids. It was not done on purpose. I don't even think it occurred to them in the courtroom. Really? Wow. No one reacted like wow. Yep. Yep. It is unbelievable. But yeah. that that one got me. That one stuck me in the ribs, you know, because wow. So that's what happened today. It really was, it was pretty tame and calm. There was no SAS. There was no RBF. There was really nothing. Mm. Uh, Ms. Smith was there today, the new prosecutor. Mm-hmm. Um, she spoke very little. I think she only answered a couple of questions for the judge when he asked and that was it. But, you know, that's kind of how that was going. But, uh, yep, that's, uh, that's what happened. So That's really interesting. But, yeah, yeah. that's really creepy that... 
a year from the date that they found the children's bodies is when that next court date is. Wow. Right. That just worked out really weird. And also that this is still where we're at with this case by June 9th, like mm -hmm. not charged with murder, still haven't, you know, I mean, still sitting in jail, yeah. not convicted of anything, not moved on to prison. You know, there's just a lot that's like, man, mm -hmm. it's already we're getting close to it being a year since they yeah. found them. Yeah. It's so crazy. Yeah. But there was something else that came out this week that uh, is very compelling. And it is some reports that were filed by the guardian ad litem of Tylee. Yeah. Once upon a time. So Christy, I'm going to ask you if you'll go through those with us. First of all, yeah. will you explain to us what a guardian ad litem is and why yeah. it would have one? So, okay. So this was back in 2008. This was during the hideous um, custody dispute that went on between Lori Vallow and Joe Ryan for Tylee Ryan. Yeah. This was done in, this was in Texas. And so some of it I can't speak to exactly because I know Idaho law, not Texas law, but they, and a guardian ad litem is put in place to represent a vulnerable party if they feel that their parents or whoever is responsible for them might not be representing them fairly, might not have their best interest at heart. So it looks like Texas does these in ugly divorce cases, in ugly custody cases. So a guardian ad litem is either an attorney or someone who's been trained to represent, in this case, Tylee's interests. So to be able to come before a judge and say, this is what's best for the child in this situation versus what either parent wants or whatever kind of drama is going on. So the fact that there was a guardian ad litem in that case tells us a lot that they were very concerned about that Tylee's interests weren't being fully represented here, that in a custody situation, the thing that's most important is what's best for the child. Clearly, that was not being represented particularly by mom. So the fact that this has been released, and it's been running around on um, Reddit, so you might have seen it. The fact that it's been released is sort of terrifying because this is a very confidential document that would normally never see the light of day. Yeah. The only reason I'm willing to talk about it even is because Tylee is deceased, and this gives us a picture into the way things were for Tylee at this point. And, you know, some people have said, oh, Lori was so wonderful and she was such a wonderful mother. No one could have foreseen that some of this stuff might have happened. Uh, I got to tell you, no. Mm -mm. Now, interestingly, some of these mental health professionals that are list that are referenced in this document are on the latest Dateline episode where Tammy Daybell's sister speaks, a couple of mental health professionals, and they're some of the ones that are actually referenced in this document, actually also spoke to, which I found really interesting. They're retired and feel like they can come forward now, I guess. Mm -hmm. I don't know. You know, it's it's a question because it's certainly... Or it's um, because Tylee is deceased. Yeah. 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 So... One of the things that happened 
during this custody battle is that Tylee ended up in the hospital with terrible stomach pain. Mm-hmm. And, you know, she was basically um, expressing a huge amount of stress yeah. through physical pain with her stomach. And so that was one of the issues that they were addressing is mm-hmm. that, you know, she was very young and, and experiencing such a tremendous amount of stress. And so there were a lot of concerns for her. Mm-hmm. So at this point, she has a treatment team around her, doctors, counselors, stuff like that. And so this is the guardian ad litem. Basically, this is their findings, their observations about so, everything that's gone on here. How old is Tylee at this point? She's seven or eight. Seven or eight. Yeah. 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 Seven or eight. So they're supervising visitation with dad and they're observing mom um, to kind of get a feel for what's going on here. Like mm-hmm. what's happening. Um, they reference uh, struggling with mom misrepresenting information on her intake, medical intake forms and not being honest with them. Mm-hmm. about her they they talk a lot about her visits with dad and about how she's excited to see dad but she's also scared about going overnights mm-hmm. so they start asking what does this mean you know why why are you feeling this way one of the things that's interesting is that in all of this tylee refers to her dad as joe yeah she's seven or eight years old Mm-hmm. And she's referring to her father by his first name. Interesting, something to look at. Yeah. But she says at some point that she's afraid of overnights because Joe molested me and Colby, and Colby's her older brother. And we know this is something that has been pretty contentious about whether or not this happened. Because Joe was never charged with anything. No. They recognize that these are things Lori has said mm-hmm. and Colby has said. But there's no uh, paper trails. There's there's no legal action that was ever taken. Doesn't mean it didn't happen. But well, there's never been any legal action. I will tell you yeah. that in this document, they say they don't believe it and they don't report it. Yeah. These mental health professionals and the guardian mm-hmm. ad litem. Now, I have to tell you how I don't know how I feel about that because in yeah. Idaho... If a child said that to me, I have to report it. Right. It doesn't matter if I think it's true or not, right? They um, have multiple conversations with Tylee regarding this in which she changes her story several times. Mm-hmm. At one point, she doesn't want them to talk to Joe about it because it might not be true, mm-hmm. she says. Um, it's a very stressful thing for her. Mm-hmm. And obviously the, the weight of it has been placed on her. Um, they discovered that Tylee was doing things like taking pictures on her phone of Joe's house. And then sending them back to mom. Mm-hmm. Like she was basically supposed to be gathering, gathering information, gathering I don't know, negative stuff against him. Well, at one point before a therapy session, mm-hmm. Lori pulls the counselor aside and says, just so you know, 
Tylee saw needles in her dad's bathroom. Yes. And then in the session, Tylee mentions, oh, yeah, I might have seen needles in my dad's bathroom. And then next thing you know, she's now photographing everything in the house and sending it back to mom. There was, again, never any proof of needles in dad's bathroom. But, yeah. Here's a little timeline of their conversations with Tylee regarding this potential um, abuse. So in one session, she tells the counselor, I don't want to do overnight visits because Joe molested her and Colby. Mm -hmm. Um, And at one point, this was in quotes, like she said it. Then she tells the doctor that this happened when she was four years old. And when the doctor asked her if she ever saw her dad alone when she was four, she said, no, that was right. That wasn't last year. It was four years ago when she was one. Now, she's little. And so figuring out timelines for her is, you know, not easy. But there were some questions there about, did this really happen or not? You know, so then Tylee says she doesn't want to spend overnights with Joe because she doesn't want to be away from her mom, doesn't give any other reason. They're like giving some time in between these sessions where they're asking her again to see what her response is. I'm not saying I endorse this because I'm not so sure I do. But um, so Lori referred to Charles Vallow, who she was with at the time, as daddy to Tylee. And then Tylee would call him daddy and would call Joe, Joe. Joe. Yeah. Kind of a strange thing to do. There's a, a lot of, you know, indication in this stuff about manipulation happening of Tylee. Oh, yeah. So another time she tells the doctor she doesn't want to talk with Joe about being molested. And when they ask why, she gets kind of tearful and she says he might be mad because maybe it wasn't true. So then um, the the visit supervisor, because the, super, the visits are supervised because, you know, they're not sure what the heck's going on here. Um, that she catches Tylee taking pictures of Joe's bathroom with her cell phone camera. And when she's asked why, she says that her mom told her to take pictures of his bathroom. Mm -hmm. So again, we have mom kind of trying to set up dad in this situation. Mm -hmm. And then um, she tells the counselor that she didn't want to talk about being molested with Joe and the doctor because she thought he would be sad that I remember. But she wasn't upset. She didn't cry. Um, Hi, Mickey. So they're just, you know, continuing to sort of try to figure this out. Yeah. But but basically, they determine that they're not going to report this information because they think it's manipulated by mom. Um, I find that terrifying because it's really not ever a mental health professional's job to determine that. But it is a lot. It just kind of shows you, like, even back when Tylee was a little girl, things were not good. No. And mom was not handling this stuff well and able to take good care of her. And there was this huge fight with Joe and to the point that the state had stepped in to give her a guardian ad litem. And there were supervised visits and there was a doctor and a counselor. Like, things were not good way back then. No. 
they were really bad. It's so sad. It is, but I, it's another way in which the system failed this kid because whether the abuse was true or not, and I don't know, I'm not sure. Um, one way or another, Colby says that it did happen. Colby says absolutely that he was molested by Joe, Mm -hmm. but why they didn't report this Mm -hmm. so that it could be investigated. And so that, you know, I don't know. I I really have a lot of questions about the ethicalness of their behavior. I think it says a lot about their relationship with Lori Mm -hmm. and how, sick of her shit they were you know they 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 definitely were and they didn't believe her of anything she said but i agree the way this was treated is uh very strange yeah and it's very strange to see a document out like that out on reddit because it means that i mean there aren't very many copies of that report that even exist in the world right but someone has released that Mm -hmm. i don't know as a social worker, I'm like, <gasps> you know, that's a huge violation. Um, it is still, even though she's passed away. Um, but it does, I don't know, it's it's important in that it gives you a picture that Laurie was a mess a long time ago. Yeah. This wasn't just, oh, Chad showed up and then she turned into a crazy person. No, she was clearly not oh. handling life well long before that. Oh, there was a in time when the courts ordered her to have cameras in her home to supervise her parenting of her children. Yes. Back when these kids were little. No, mm-hmm. this didn't just start. This has always been the way. It has. Yep. Well. Yeah. Just kind of a strange, another strange turn in the situation. You know, if you guys haven't watched the Dateline episode, the one that just came out, you really should. It's very interesting to hear from Tammy Daybell's sister. This is the very first time anyone from Tammy's family has yeah. spoken out. Mm-hmm. And, you know, she and her husband are so devastated over this and so shocked. They didn't see this coming in any way. Yeah. No. When Chad remarried, they were so stunned and <sighs> blindsided by that and hurt. He called his brother-in-law, so the sister's name is Kim, and he called Kim's husband, Chicken, mm-hmm. to report him himself getting married. Yeah. And they were just sick. But they knew long before he, they got, he got remarried that things were not right mm-hmm. because of the way that he handled everything. He never even spoke to Kim at Tammy's funeral. Never even spoke to her. She said she felt like he was avoiding her the entire time. The whole thing was just a lot of people said that. Yeah. A lot of people said that he wasn't talking to people, he wasn't making eye contact, that the whole funeral felt very weird and rushed and not what you would have expected for Tammy. Yeah. Yeah. No, not at all. Not at all. And she just talked about what a fun, smart person Tammy was and Mm what a big hole it has left in their lives, you know, just so shocked by this whole situation. But she, the minute she found out about him getting remarried, she has been sleuthing ever since Yeah, because she knew none of this was right. Mm -hmm. But, you know, he said that 
he told them that Lori's previous husband had died of a heart attack. Mm-hmm. Also told them that she was an empty nester. Yep. That her children were grown and that she didn't have any children, young children at home. Mm-hmm. I mean, the the lies are just horrifying. Can you imagine telling someone that your new wife doesn't have any children have any children at home, and that's because you guys already killed them and buried them in your backyard? <laughs> you know, it's just crazy. It's hard to not be constantly shocked at the depravity and the ability of these two to lie to everyone, to go to Hawaii and live it up. Yep. And to just keep on getting those social security checks. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Well, you know, I think we we've learned a lot today just about. Yeah. Where all this is going, you know, I I don't Mm -hmm. feel there's any doubt that that Chad is going to flip on Lori. Mm -hmm. And that's what all this is about in court is that they're not. They don't want to keep their cases joined and, you know, stand together in this. No, no, that's not what's going to happen here. You know, prior and means share an office. Yeah. Or office space. Mm hmm. And I said, you know, it would be interesting to know where their office is. And if their neighbors on either side, how often they've heard these two in a screaming match. Because can you imagine how tight tensions must be between them at this point? Yeah. It's got to be bad. It's got to be really bad. Yeah. I know. I wish I knew who was on either side of them. (laughs) (laughs) Can you just hold a recorder up for us or something? I'd be Anything? entertained to know what they've observed. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, definitely. Interesting. But mm-hmm. anyway, so that's case updates this week. That's pretty much it. Yeah. JR said, I can't wait to see the Lifetime movie. And Cranky said, or the Netflix show. There, there will be stuff on this case for time and memorial. Oh, yeah. This will be like... We're going to keep dancing through court now for years as all the charges come out. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. Once they actually start charging them with the murders, this could go on for a long time. Mm -hmm. I also want to say that Candace said that the mosquitoes in Alabama are also already really horrible. And so I just wanted to say, oh, no. Not cool. Not cool. Yeah. Well, you guys, that's what we've got. You know, we have three cases already out this week. So I hope mm-hmm. that you had a chance to take a look. On Monday, we released the What Happened to Wendy Cohen case. Really mm-hmm. interesting case. About a real sweet lady that, uh, mm-hmm. well, got murdered. And mm-hmm. then on Tuesday... We released death row frequent flyer Thomas Creech. Thomas Creech was a serial killer from Idaho that we just recently uh, discovered. We had never Mm -hmm. even heard his name before. He says he's killed 40 people, though there's not adequate proof of that. But he's killed a lot of people. And he's managed to find himself on death row not once but twice. Yeah. And somehow commuted again, maybe. But we don't know. Yeah, yeah. somehow he's still he was supposed to alive. be. He was supposed to be executed 21 years ago, mm-hmm. you guys. And there was a stay, and it's never been rescheduled. But it's also all, never been addressed in court. 
Yeah. How he does that happen? In the Idaho Penitentiary, my entire life. He went yes. there the year I was born. Yeah. Crazy. Insanity. And then uh, our case that broke this morning is about Faith uh, Lindsay. Mm-hmm. And that case, you guys, if you have not watched it, I implore you to do so because it needs some public outcry and some public action yeah. to help Faith and her family to make sure that she gets justice. So please watch that episode and take some action if you can. That's just, it's a its a big deal. You'll understand why when you watch it. But there's, yeah. a, there's a big... Uh, Oh, mind bender in that one, but a legal clusterfuck, dare I yes, say? Yes, there you go. <laughs> I think that's a good way to put it. Yeah. 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 So, of course, this is live case updates, and we'll be back tomorrow night at 7 p.m. Mountain for the Psychic Hour. And then watch this weekend for a couple of pop ups coming. They will be coming. So, mm-hmm. that's what's happening. All righty. Well, thanks for being here, you guys. Jessica, our honor. I'm so glad that we had a chance to look at Wendy. Yes, definitely. Yeah. All righty, you guys. Thank you so much. This has been the Psychic Hour. No, it hasn't. (laughs) This has been Case Updates with the Psychic Sisters here on True Crime Paranormal. Take care. Bye, guys. If you're enjoying this podcast, don't forget to like and subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. If you're watching us on YouTube, you can always like and subscribe there as well. We also love comments and reviews. True Crime Paranormal is hosted by Katie Weaver and Christy Brower and produced by Christy Brower. True Crime Paranormal is a short girl productions podcast.